0: It is an emotional existence for a person to own a business, and they have their own emotional reasons for doing things or not doing things, and if an advisor is not tapped into that, it can really be a huge problem. Hello, this is Elizabeth Mower, president of BEI.
1: And I'm John Brown, the founder of BEI.
0: Each episode, we take you into the world of exit planning, sharing the stories, struggles, and opportunities of business owners and their advisors. We'll get into this episode's conversation right after this.
1: As an advisor, you have the technical skills to assist business owners in exit planning. However, few advisors know how to package the process and use it to drive the demand for their service. Learn how when you attend an upcoming boot camp workshop. Visit exitplanning.com forward slash boot to see the latest schedule and to register. That's exitplanning.com forward slash boot don't miss the opportunity to take advantage of all exit planning can offer and to set yourself apart from the competition.
0: We're back for another podcast episode. In a lot of these episodes, we're just talking about scenarios that have really happened. Business owners who have really faced sort of the brink of should I exit my business? And if so, how? And for owners of privately held businesses, this can be a very emotional sort of fraught process that uh, sometimes goes well and it sometimes doesn't and one of our goals here is to talk about scenarios so that as if you're a business owner and you're listening if you're a business advisor and you're listening here you see the patterns and the scenarios you realize how common repeatable and and uh and sort of understandable they are and sort of participate in our discussion of what to do in these cases. And maybe we all get a little tiny bit smarter, better at our jobs so that and if you're a business owner, a little bit better informed, you're not alone, you're not even maybe particularly unique. There are other owners out there who face the same issues and challenges. And the story we want to tell today, John, I'll let you tell It's one that is one that we both know pretty well. And I have seen variations of this story play out mm-hmm. with some of my own clients. It's not one of my clients that you're telling the story of, but I have seen this pattern in several forms. And I think it is, when you brought it up and suggested it for today, I thought it's a pretty good idea. So oh, give, good. Us the, good. give us the yeah. storyline for this client.
1: So I'll, I'll be as brief as I can. This was really a real client that one of our members was working with. The client had decided that he wanted to sell his business Uh, retained our our member, who promptly went out and found a great investment banking firm. And long story short, they went to market. The investment banker thought the business could sell for 4 or $5 million. It was fine with the owner, they went to market, and within a short time of going to market, they received the first offer, it was a controlled auction process of about $7 million. So the investment banker was pretty thrilled. Our member thought it was a good idea. Calls up the business owner, didn't get him, left a message. Uh, another week goes by, the owner never calls back. But now, through this controlled auction process, uh, there's an offer, a good offer for 8 or $9 million. Eventually, this goes on, uh, the controlled auction, until finally... Keep bear in mind the owner was expecting four to five million. The purchase cash purchase price offer was twelve million dollars. Our member and the investment banking firm has been trying to contact the client during this entire process with absolutely no luck. Uh, family didn't know where he was. He wasn't showing up for work. Eventually, the owner calls up our member and says, "Hey, what's going on?" and our member says, "Hey, you've got an offer on the table for twelve million dollars. Can you believe that?" And the owner said, "Ah, it's interesting." And and our member says, "Well, that's that's it. That we need the investment banker doesn't think we're going to get get a better offer than this. So we need to go ahead and make a decision to accept it or not." And the owner said, "You know what? I can't sell. I cannot sell my company. Stop the auction." I'm not going forward. I'm not selling my company. And so that was a pretty dramatic example of moving forward with a sale of the company because that's what our owner told us he or she wants to do. But it turned out we probably could have done some more investigation.
0: And so what turned out to be... Happening with that owner, something is going on. When a person puts all of those things in motion, yeah. they're not doing it just for fun or just to sort of play games. So this owner clearly thought that uh, that he was uh, going to be selling his business. That this was a good time, mm-hmm. or that he was ready, or that or that uh, a good buyer could be found, and so probably i'm assuming that that was genuine on his part when he put all of these things in motion. absolutely
1: it cost him money to do this i mean tens right. of thousands of dollars I'm not
0: kidding around and so yeah. and so but i have seen this happen before and so with that owner you know how did how did how did it become known what was really going on and what was the underlying story because it be, could be several different things could be going on here yeah i think i and i'm
1: going to give you one of the kind of example of this in a different scenario because I think the result is the same and this was um, uh, two owners we'd done a lot of work for over the years to, the idea was one owner was going to buy out the other owner and so as we got down to the very final stage and we were going to transfer control the buying owner said, you know what I don't want to do this I can't see myself running this business without the co-owner being there, so they sold to a third party. Mm-hmm. So it's the same. In, I'm not sure what we could have done to have asked more questions to figure out that the buying owner didn't really want to sell the business. Or to, to, well, we didn't we want to really buy something. the business
0: in that case we took their word for it yeah let's go back to this 12 million dollar business i do see some similarities in those stories and what was that owner's explanation for stopping the sale and canceling everything
1: he his answer was i don't know what i would do if i didn't have my business
0: and that's amazing i don't know what i would do if i didn't have my business
1: i just i mean it wasn't the money I mean he was getting far more money than he ever thought he would get mm-hmm. it was the fact of no longer being the owner of that business
0: mm-hmm. and i've seen this manifest in several yeah. kind of in several ways maybe not always a business owner who gets that far down the path in a controlled auction with a third party buyer standing there with their you know pen hovering over the checkbook that's i haven't seen that as many times but mm-hmm. i've seen it manifest in a variety of ways business owners Uh, who are working with an advisory team and trying to sort of plot out a course for the future, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden go dark. Uh, We've also seen, I've seen in some of my conversations with business advisors, they will sometimes see a business owner effectively sabotage their own planning process (laughs) by sort of starting a fight with a co-owner or starting a fight with the other family members who are in the business or uh, sort of manufacturing A big issue that everyone Mm -hmm. really can see is not that big of an issue and then making a big stink about it. Or
1: being very difficult when the third party sale process is going on and being rude to the buyer, things like that. That's not that
0: uncommon. Overly picky. Oh, well, you know, they wore, you know, brown shoes instead of black. I just don't know if I need that kind of a buyer taking over my company. And so you can see it in all these different kinds of ways. And so now we're saying, okay, this is not that unusual business owners are emotionally attached right to their businesses. That's Mm -hmm. that is very, very common. And while we talk about business ownership and exit planning as this very kind of thoughtful, methodical, sometimes quantitative, sometimes very analytical kind of process, you have to do your planning. You have to figure things out and put solutions and strategies Mm -hmm. in place. What those things are not addressing is that it is an emotional existence mm-hmm. for a person to own a business, and they have their own emotional reasons for doing things or not doing things. And if an advisor is not tapped into that, it can really be a huge problem, right?
1: Well, and, and uh, that's exactly right. And you wouldn't expect an investment a banker or an M and A attorney to really get into these what I would call softer issues. But one thing I've actually learned from working with Elizabeth over the last 75 years or so is her ability to ask the right questions to owners. And it's it's what we talk to our advisors about that we train. And it's not just how much money do you want, when you want to leave, who do you want to transfer it to. It's broader questions like what do you see the future of the business being without you? What mm-hmm. do you see your future without the without business the business? Right. Uh it's getting into the mind of this owner and really forcing them to think ahead of time what the consequences of a sale would be. And that's what the our the buyer or the I'm sorry, the seller in our example obviously did not do. His or her advisor didn't ask them enough questions about the inner workings and inner emotions and desires of this owner with respect to his business and that's what that's one thing exit planning advisors do that I wouldn't expect uh, more analytical structured advisors like CPAs and lawyers and investment bankers to do because that's not really part of their job
0: right but it needs to be so we're here to, to say your clients will get better outcomes business owners will ha- will be happier with their post exit, post-transition situation if these issues get addressed mm-hmm. early on. Mm-hmm. And and it's not just in the third party sale right. scenario. If we say, you know, if we're working with a client who's got who's who's intending to transition ownership and leadership in the business to their business active child or children, we still need to find out from the parent owner Well, what do you see as your role in the business after child or children take over? Because that can create some Mm -hmm. conflict as well. I didn't, you know, children saying, I didn't realize that mom and dad were going to stick around. I didn't realize that mom and dad were still going to be commenting on and weighing in on major business decisions. I thought that me taking over the business meant that I got to make the decisions and take those risks and, and potentially make a mistake here and there, but I'm still being supervised by my parents or they're still saying that they wanna do that, that's not really the same thing as transitioning the business uh-huh. to me. So whether it's a third party sale where we're nervous that we'll be lost and at, and at loose ends or a family transition, which is very, very different experience, the owner still might need to resolve his or her role in the business and I sort of call it your relationship to the business. I don't know if that's too kind of a soft word, but what I mean, it I mean it in a very specific mm-hmm. way, you know, what is it, how are you going to think about it? How do you want to be thought of? What are you going to do and what are they going mm-hmm. to expect of you? And what are you going to not do? And what is your business and those who own and, and control it? What are they going to expect that you will stay out of? And then for anything that you're not gonna do anymore, business owner, what are you gonna do instead? Mm-hmm. So, it's, and I believe that you shouldn't just talk about it. You should either do something about it or go through an exercise to write it down. There are a variety of advisors and sort of trains sort or of schools of thought that have business owners go through a series of mm-hmm. kind of exercises. And I think that that has proven to be extremely effective when you force somebody to think about it, talk about it, write it down and discuss uh-huh. it and share yeah. it. It becomes a little bit more real mm-hmm. than it yeah. would if you just said, hey, John, do you know what you're going to do when you don't own your business anymore? And then you say, yes, I do. And then I say, perfect. Moving on. Check to the that next. one off. Yeah, yep. right. We're That's, all done with that. That is not an effective yeah. way. have a business owner feel comfortable and confident. So writing it down or actually taking steps or in some case, some advisors will recommend sort of what what is effectively practice Mm -hmm. for life after business ownership. Why don't we have you, oh, you're going to travel. Why don't we have you travel for four weeks? Find out if you even like traveling. Do you even Mm -hmm. really enjoy traveling all that much? Or you're going to start another business. Well, why don't we Pre-start that other business now. Let's work it out. Write mm-hmm. a business plan. Get some things in place so that you can really feel committed and you can hit the ground running once you trans- out of, transition out of this business. So, John, what other things? Mm-hmm. You know, if we're going, if we're working with an owner and we want to have a sense of confidence that the owner is going to feel good about the transition and feel, you know, sort of fulfilled or busy or happy mm-hmm. or successful afterwards. What else can we do? Or what else can advisors be talking about? Or questions can they ask? Or what else are you gonna recommend in training so that these issues get addressed?
1: So in answering, I guess the the first thing I would say is that when you start asking questions like this, the one result is you will have, if you're the advisor, a a deeper relationship with the owner and maybe the family It's gonna be a more trusting relationship uh, and a longer lasting relationship because you care about the owner. It's not just about the money. It's just not just about the transaction and so on. You really care about the owner because at the end of the day, the purpose of exit planning, our way of doing it at least, is to help owners benefit from their lives work. We sell the business and they don't feel the benefit. We've not done a good job. So it's really just asking a variety of not deeply personal questions, but really trying to get at the core of why uh, they want to exit and have they given the thought that they need to, as Elizabeth was talking about, to what that exit looks like during, but mostly after the transaction is completed.
0: Right. So we recommend if you are an owner, then start thinking about it now. What will your future be like if you're planning to never leave your business? That's. Completely fine. Maybe you don't need a very detailed plan for post exit. You need a very detailed plan for long term ownership that may mm-hmm. go well into your advanced years and what that's going to look like. So, planning just shifts if you're planning on holding on to your business for a long mm-hmm. time or if you're an advisor and you're working with a client in that situation. But all business owners who intend to transition out of their business, let's say, While they're in good health, Mm -hmm. if they're going to transition out while they're in good health, what is the plan for after the transition? What is going to take their energy, their time, their commitment, Mm -hmm. their attention and how successful do we know that's going to be? So let's find out more about it and then practice or write it down or get a coach. There are some life coaches and some programs mm-hmm. that business owners can go through in order to really think through this. It's not sort of a stare out the window intellectual exercise. It can be a lot more detailed than that. And there's advice and coaching that is available to advisors who want to help their clients through and to business owners who want to uh, be more thorough about how they think about these issues. Did we miss anything John? Is there? I think
1: we've covered every single possible base
0: i think so too and and ultimately what do we get from this we get better outcomes Mm -hmm. for business owner clients so if you're a business owner and you want to have a more successful and a more positive post exit life if you're an advisor who's working with clients let's think about these issues ultimately this is why we plan We are here to sort of make outcomes more successful and, as you said, to help owners benefit from their lives work.
1: And if I could just add one one final point, we go through this process at the beginning of an engagement. We go in depth. We ask these questions. But it's also important if you're the the planning advisor as you're going through what might very well be a multi-year planning and implementation process, we need to circle back. How is, this, how is this planning and, and, and transitioning working with you? Are there problems? Are there issues, business owner? Do we need to explore that more? So the way most of these transitions are designed, the owner can stop them. There's not necessarily a requirement that they go through to the finish once they're beginning that owner management growth and transition planning. There are alternatives to explore if the owner just decides he doesn't want to do that. And we need to ask those questions.
0: Agree. Ask and then re-ask. Right. I totally agree. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us today. This has been fun. Thanks for being here, John. So Thank Another you. good conversation. And join us for our next episode. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Join us for our next episode. For more content like this, please visit ExitPlanning.com.